they've done is they've, they've kept kicking the can down the road as far as they should have let things fail and yeah. let things get clean, cleaned out. Much like a forest should be burned out every now and then, like it used to be in, you know, down in, before they managed it, and let it burn out so they can you know, come back a lot cleaner. Same thing. But the problem is what they're doing is they're artificially keeping things at levels they shouldn't be. So what happens is it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger without having a release valve. So a trigger will come along, in this case, a crazy anomaly in the name of COVID, which nobody ever expected. Mm-hmm. They want to blame it on COVID, but it was simply the, the prick that's popping the balloon. But they're reinflating it, even though the balloon is, still has holes in it and it's losing air. So all they're doing is kicking the can down the road, making it worse for next time. So to answer your question, I think COVID is simply the, the, the prick that's popping the balloon. Yeah. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. The podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. And uh, if you need information about this episode or more information about our esteemed guest, you can go to myexperiencerealtor.com, click on podcast, go down, and you're going to have to click on one of two episodes this far with the great TJ Rossi. How are you doing, brother? Doing fantastic. Nice intro. I don't know. Now I have to follow that up. So right. thanks a lot. <laughs> and welcome back. Good to see you again. Again. And people right about now are going to go, well, you did leave the last episode saying that you wanted to get down and talk about some information. And I was like, yeah, I was like, because we are, as you, as you labeled it, information junkies, right? So that's what we're going to dive into today after I do what I always have to do, which is my joke, right? So I better ready laugh. And since we're going to talk about the economy, I got an economic joke. Ready? Let's do it. Economic forecasters assume everything except for responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> When there's truth in a joke, it's even better. <laughs> no, no lie about that, right? <laughs> and uh, and actually, I left the TSS hat on here because I had Jamie Peace in here for another recording. And when he was listening to our episode, uh, the previous episode we recorded, we talked about Zero Hedge. He's like, dude, I've been listening. I've been following Zero Hedge since I went to graduate school. Wow. Yeah. Excellent. So I feel like there's almost like a cult of us <laughs> that are following the actual data out yeah. there. They they hide in the in the bottoms, but they're good and they're out there. It's yeah. You got to find them. That's the hard part. So rattle off some of the sources of information that you go to 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 look. I know I know several of them, but up for the listeners, what what are some of the places you go to to search for information besides Zero Hedge? What I'm looking for, um, just anything. I, well, in, the interest in economics and the financial world and business. And, you know, how to survive and thrive using the, uh, the George Gammon uh, line uh, and what's going on. George Gammon, honestly, is my number one go-to guy as yeah. far as uh, data goes. He's amazing. So he's my number one guy. I've got a whole bunch. I use uh, Stephen Van Meter for more of a bond and macro outlook. Uh, George Gammon's more of a, um, he's macro. He's actually macro king. But he gets down also into entrepreneurial aspects of things as well. And he's, he's fighting for the um, individual Little guys, so to speak, uh, the, the non-billionaires, the non-big government, uh, people that really are trying to make things happen still, much like you and I, mm-hmm. business owners. Um, so he's my main guy. He's 99. I don't think anybody can be 100%, but he's probably 99.999% uh, 
of something that if I had to pick the perfect guy who I would you know align with, it would be it would be it would be George Gammon. For he sure. puts out a lot of content too because I have he's a maniac man. I it's just in the whiteboard. He's a maniac. Right. He's always got the whiteboard up there. He does the- it when he's traveling around to other countries. He actually will buy white. He'll have and if he can't buy it there. Friends of his will send him markers and whiteboards and material to to make it up, and he leaves it there. He'll be in uh, the um, island. He'll be in an island. He'll, when he was in St. Bart's over the summer, and he couldn't get access to some of his usual materials, people send him stuff, and he went and goes and he'll just go buy it. <laughs> so he finds a way, even when he's right. traveling. The guy's crazy, but he loves it. He loves it. He eats it up, and that's why he's so prolific. What he put up, you know, puts out there is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it, so funny enough. Um, so tonight we're going to go dinner with a buddy of mine that uh, I did my MBA with that flew into town yesterday, uh, Ryan Regal. And uh, anyhow, when when he came in town, like he and I have had some very heated economic conversations. Well, when I say heated, he doesn't really get wound up. Spirited. He, spirited. He's like, you're smoking crack, man. There's no way any of this is going to happen. And so I sent him a couple of clips of the George Gammon. Good. He's like, hey, don't be sending me other conspiracy theorists. I said, how is it conspiracy? You're out of your mind. He gets, he'll, in fact, George will, many people will try to do that. They'll try to say he's tinfoil hat. But if you listen to what he's saying and he, the way he backs it up with data, yeah. I mean, fact, what he's, and that, what he, what he truly does is he actually doesn't give a, an actual opinion. That's where he's different. Yeah. He'll, he'll say why this is this way or why that's that way. He's, he does have a, a belief, a belief system, of course. But he's not trying to make you think something. He'll show you why something is what it is or might be what it might be. Yeah. But he backs it up. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's indisputable fact that he'll back it up with. You cannot argue with, 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 with the things he'll put up there. So you may not like it or agree with it, but you can't argue with too much of it. it is, it's like two plus two equals four. You can't. Yeah. So when people argue against something that he puts up there or does, it's always interesting to me. Well, and I mean, now that finally, after a million times of asking that I know that you're a high D trait person. I learned that today. Okay. <laughs> well, I've known it forever, but you actually right, put a label right, on right. it today. I was able to take, take, a, take something that took five minutes to be able to go, wait a minute, you're, there's only how many ways to do things? The right way. The right way. <laughs> so the, you're the like, green, Laura, you're like, you're the, like, the green dot can be any further right. So right. I, now I know what that means. Yeah. And so, so. Which to me, knowing you, that only gives more credibility when you're like, hey, you should check this out because you're not a guy that assumes, matter of fact, you assume nothing, right? (laughs) It's not even in you to assume anything, right? Right. (laughs) And so, uh, so I was like, whenever I saw the results out there, uh, I was like, hey, okay. It surprised you. I know it did. I was like, all right. The only one that really kind of surprised me a little bit, and it, maybe it's just because you have an, I've had a pretty good connection since we've met, was that you're really a low B trait. And now, which one again? That means you could be friends with a cactus and rock and be totally okay with it. <laughs> so I feel like I'm like one of your f- five people on the planet you'll talk to. <laughs> <laughs> outside of outside of anything that doesn't have anything to do with making money or anything. We'll make the status better anyway somehow. Trust me. I'll make we'll get it better for you. <laughs> Which hey, if I'm one of the five people you talk to outside of work, then I, man, like you lost a bet somewhere that is so bad, right? Like there's no data that it should even support why you do that, right? <laughs> but it's fun to see those things come out, you know? Yeah. What did you think? I mean, was it accurate? It's interesting. The the detail yeah. aspect, the precision aspect. Uh, yes. And, yeah. you know, for better and for you know, many times worse, yeah. you know, you go into paralysis by analysis sometimes, but yeah. that isn't surprising to me yeah. at all Yeah, to be the high on a scale. 
maybe. Yeah. But as far as uh, that was, you know, there, and I could tell by the way I was answering the the, uh, the traits. Yeah. You know, they kind of lined up, and they're just different ways of saying the same thing. So I'm like, okay, I'll click it again. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, I got it. Yeah. So that was interesting, but to show the other dots there, how they converge, and the uh, the median line. Yeah. Uh, is interesting. Yeah. 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 That's why. And it, it, to me, it's the ultimate tool to learn how to communicate with other people. So that's why culture right. index, because when I had Jamie from TSS in here, he was like, he called me after the episode with Stanton going, it's not cultural index, it's culture index. If you're spending 10 grand a year on a system, you should at least say it right. And I was just like, all right, well, nice to hear from his. you too, Jamie. So, and uh, That would be a green trait, wouldn't it? A green dot of his? To have, it, to have it be exact? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. So he's actually low D trait like me, high A trait like us both, right? Low B like you, but he's a high C, which is patient, mm. right? So basically, he just likes doing anything to drive me nuts. <laughs> His actually pattern looks like a Z. That's why you get along so So he's well. like Zorro. So he's like a rebel anyways. So, yeah, and it was a lot of fun having him in here. We've been longtime friends, fellow Marines, all that. So, but, so, um, man, I, I almost don't even know where we should start. So I want to just start first by making a statement. And then I'm going to let you either say true or false. And this is why I think true or I think false or a hybrid of, well, maybe could go, right? By the last day in August, if not sooner, this country as a whole, not necessarily one geographical area, but this country as a whole overall, just per capita numbers, we will be at 20% unemployment or higher. You're, you're saying by the last day of August of next year? Yep. So coming up on how far that's math for Marines. Not 20 or higher on a whole. Yep. Yep. The true unemployment, not what they not what they tell you. The true unemployment. Yeah. 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 So you got to use the right, uh, the right source, which I'm sure you do. High D trait like yeah. you. You're like the yes, true it's kind of, If it comes out of the, uh, you know, <laughs> you got to use the right source <laughs> to get the real number. But yeah. So if yeah. it truly is uh, that number, I, I do yeah. agree. Yeah. I think it will be. I think from what I've, you know, listened to, read, learned, put together, it's not just hearing one guy like George or, you know, other people are reading this pu uh, publication or article. It's all these pieces you put together. More importantly are the things you see. So I've been traveling around a lot, which we'll get to later, but okay. um, the past three months, especially been traveling around a lot to a lot of different cities, uh, larger and smaller. And, and from what I've seen there, what I've been reading, what I've been hearing and putting things together and also what's, what's um, happening now with, with um, the election and, and the Senate and so on. Um, yeah, I, I would say that's very true. I agree hundred percent. It's going to be very interesting. I think we're headed for a very, uh, interesting period, a very de uh, deflationary environment at first, which will be, um, you know, in that, in the depths like that. And it's going to be very, very tough for a long time. And the, yeah, yeah. So follow up question to this is, is it solely because of COVID that we're heading there or was this already happening before COVID, COVID just accelerated it or mm -hmm. solely because of COVID? I we, think COVID is the ultimate accelerant. Yeah. Absolutely. In my opinion, yeah. I think it's been bad for a long, long time. Uh, you can go back. I mean, I mean, you can go back forever as far as, um, you know, Bretton Woods, if you want to, mm -hmm. then the gold standard, if you want to, then you can go back to when they unleashed the quantitative easing in 2009, if you want to, then what they did this year. But what they've done is they've, they've kept kicking the can down the road 
as far as they should have let things fail and yeah. let things get clean, cleaned out. Much like a forest should be burned out every now and then, like it used to be in, you know, down in, before they managed it, and let it burn out so they can you know, come back a lot cleaner. Same thing. But the problem is what they're doing is they're artificially keeping things at levels they shouldn't be. So what happens is this gets bigger and bigger and bigger without having a release valve. So a trigger will come along, in this case, a crazy anomaly in the name of COVID, which nobody ever expected. Mm-hmm. They want to blame it on COVID, but it was simply the, the prick that's popping the balloon. But they're reinflating it, even though the balloon is, still has holes in it and it's losing air. So all they're doing is kicking the can down the road, making it worse for next time. So to answer your question, I think COVID is simply the the, the prick that's popping the balloon. Yeah. For now. No. And I, I man, I, I agree 100% is that um, back in August 2019, I was doing a public speaking engagement and they said, well, hey, what do you, you know, with what you do in real estate, what do you think of the economy? And I said, well, I said, depends. I said, are you talking about the stock market? That's one thing because 10% of the shareholders own 90% of the stocks. Are you talking about the housing? Because when you're literally giving money away for free and there's no inventory, or are you talking about jobs? Are you talking about dispensable or disposable income? Are you, are you talking about when things become stagnant, because when you got to get to a point that we're now coming out with the iPhone 12, it's because everybody already has an iPhone I, or an Android. I'm a Droid guy. You're a Droid guy because yeah. you got to be different. <laughs> yeah, I know. But but it, but the interesting thing is, is like there are new, no new Nikes or no new whatevers and, and, and to go by that where people that have spent money have spent it, right? So that slows things down. And then you add in hyperinflation and hyper debt. And it's almost like that scene in Ghostbusters that says, don't cross the streams. <laughs> and they were crossing before COVID, right? And then now COVID happened. As a matter of fact, I said, I had said at that same engagement, I said, there's an event that's going to happen over the next two years that is going to accelerate all this. Now, I had no idea in six months it was going to be a pandemic, but now here it is. All we're doing is limping things along and very highly educated uh, business leaders, entrepreneurs, to me, is, is not just data from what you're reading, but when you're talking to people and you're asking, like, well, what do you think? Like, what, what, what is going on? Or like, mm-hmm. what, what are you seeing? They're in the trenches. They're in the trenches. So information just doesn't come from Fox or CNN, mm-hmm. which neither of them I watch. I, I mean, both of them are just trying to sell gold and <laughs> Tell whoever you know to whoever's watching, the you know, whoever they're, right, right, whoever their whoever their people are that you know whether it's to the left or to the right. But I I I think that there's a lot of humans out there that are in it. Like you said, you're traveling around all these cities, so you're physically seeing. I'm actually this. seeing it. You're seeing it. Not only as a business owner and yeah. like, what I do, but also um, being there physically seeing it. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. 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 I mean, it's like so. One of my uh, recordings today was John Bonnell. So you've been here a little bit, but you've seen uh, the restaurant Downtown Waters. Yes. And then uh, Bon L's uh, over there off Brian Irvin, uh, Buffalo Bros in downtown. Buffalo Bros. Yeah. And uh, the one over there where we went by the TCU. And so when I had John on, man, it was just, man, it was a, man, it was a real somber moment there when he was like, yeah, on March 16th of this year, I think is what it was, is he goes, I had to have an all-hands meeting. And he goes, I had 265 employees, and I could only keep 31. Like, whoa. And then big number. here it is eight months later. Eight months later. And? 
He's only been able to bring 50% of those back to work. So think about that. Is mm-hmm. you set that in, and then now we're into the winter time, entering yeah. winter, where flu season and everything else comes back up. So COVID is going to come back up, and you're already watching it where some states and cities are already starting to shut down again. Yep. So round two, right, of, man, what, what does that do to restaurants? And you got restaurants, retail, hospitality, hotels, anything transportation. Service based, yeah, much. anything service-based. Well, that provides over a third of jobs in this country that if those aren't surviving, what is what is that going to do, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, that is a number that you can't help pay attention to that says, wow, this is really happening. And then, like you said, kicking the can down the street is people are still living. For where we are, actually, there's a lot of people still living in la-la land right yeah. now. Like, oh, no, it's... If you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of like, hey, if I ignore the boogeyman who's sitting here trying to rob me right now, it just won't happen. Even though they're holding a gun to my head, saying, "Give me your wallet," right? And, and I feel like that's maybe a little bit of the the environment of what's going on. What do you think? Well, I think a lot of people aren't as af- affected by it, especially those that are, tend to be um, higher income, white collar, because they're able to work remotely, work using Zoom, and they have enough means in the first place to kind of survive some of the hit already. Mm -hmm. It's the people that don't fit in any of those categories that are getting smoked. And large, large, large percentage of the country, obviously, I wouldn't know the number exactly, but the ones that actually need that, and because we've become such a service-based economy is a main, is a major thing. You know, even if we're still somewhat manufacturing based, um, they could do limited shifts and so on, but because we, we become so service-based that, um, you know, hospitality in particular, yeah. A lot in retail in particular, you know, other service sectors like, you know, consulting and so on would be okay from a distance, but who's paying for consulting right now? I don't know the answer to that, but it's probably a lot lower than it was. So the answer, so my, my feeling is that the white collared uh, upper incomes um, aren't feeling the heat as much. And the ones that are, you know, have kind of guaranteed incomes that are kind of, you know, maybe working, you know, government uh, jobs of some sort, that kind of thing. Um, they're not going to feel it as much as, as a lot of the country is otherwise. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, yeah. that's why there's such a dichotomy between what's going on. Like even since the last time we met and recorded, supply chains are just. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to someone that lives in lives in you know the supply chain industry, right? Yeah. Is supply chains of something simple as appliances, where you know when you were here last time, it was my contractor was like, yeah, if you want, if this is what you're going to order. Then they're saying it may be because we recorded last time in September. They said, oh, it might be here in November. So a week ago, my contractor was like, hey, my sources are telling me that if you're looking for appliances for a house, like you want the matching, you know, not just the I'll take this cheap part to match this cheap one to whatever. Three like months. you order. Oh, no, he's saying it's indefinite now. He said he is being told, look, we can't even put a date on it. Because even if we told you three months, it might not be three months. It might be six months. Is it a supply issue or demand issue or both? It is a supply. So like what we're seeing is the the business world a couple of years, decades ago, moved to just-in-time inventory, right? Mm-hmm. Because higher margins, right? So you don't have to pay for warehouse space, all this stuff. You know, then you look at – a lot of people, listeners that, that are out there might not understand is when you have – inventory, well, that becomes taxable. So when you reduce your inventory footprint, well, there's less taxes on that, right? And so 
now there was no inventory, mm-hmm. so things are just out. So you're having to wait for them to be manufactured again. And manufacturing plants are like, yeah, no, we can get up and going, but we need this one piece in order to finish building out the washer dryer or whatever. And an example of that is my house in Colorado is I was having an outdoor kitchen built. I had a gas line um, stubbed out. The kitchen, the outdoor kitchen is done. I've got the gas line and everything to run to it. But the connector, we had to wait weeks on. And I was sitting there on the counter. I was like, what? And he goes, this is what's causing the problems. It's not some big thing like the washer lid or the dryer lid or whatever. It's that one little widget that you need to finish the project that you're waiting on because they're back ordered. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Because it was interesting with this particular shock we just went through or are still going through. Mm-hmm. There were both aspects. There was demand and supply problems on both sides of it. Because there was some, there was, because the things were shut down, but also people weren't buying things. So they were, they were scared, you know, out of their wits. What's, what's going on? So money was, there's no velocity of money just sitting there. So you had, you had these, a very interesting mix of two sides where that hasn't really happened. It's, that's a rare uh, phenomenon. That's why in this case with your part, it's more of a supply thing, which is what yeah. is interesting. Oh yeah, and it's just, and it's just, it's just interesting to sit back and and watch. Now, I do with making this statement is I don't want the audience or the listeners to think that guys like you and I want twenty percent unemployment. We don't want any of that. Of we absolutely not. don't want that. But we also don't want to not face the realities mm-hmm. of what's coming. I would love nothing more to be proven wrong. Somebody go ha. Gotcha. Right. You were wrong. I would, I would love that. Like, hey, do you think I take any personal enjoyment in this? I don't right. want to see the – because, by the way, if the U.S. is at 20% unemployment, we are the heartbeat of the entire planet economically. So, guess where all that – if the where that goes to other countries. And that right. might even – that 20%, I know it's hypothetical. Even there would still be probably not very accurate because it's going to be a lot more that aren't reporting, that they don't count. They change the rules – on how they count unemployed. Very plain. They not only change the rules and how they count it, but yeah. they also report differently. So it's two uh-huh. things. Whereas the data source I, I use, for example, I gave to you, yeah. they can only go off of what they're, the data is truly out there. Is that Shadow Stats? Is that the one? Yep. 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 They're awesome. And so what he does, he goes through and looks at true reality. And then he, he'll actually extrapolate somewhat from there to account for some of that. But you never truly know because not everybody's reporting it. Some have just plain given up. And some are completely off the radar in the first place. So it's two things. So it's, it could be way worse than even a hypothetical like that. You don't know. I mean, I wish it was the volatility would be to the upside versus the downside. But I think it would be more to the downside just because that's how reality tends to be. You know, so that's what I would think. But I, I would agree with that statement. 20% or more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't think it'll stay there forever. No. I mean, I don't I, – I, look, I mean, ever. A recession lasts on average, what, I mean, a true, true recession, what, 11 months, less than 12 months. So, I mean, it would just, it would take some time to cycle through and then start to come back, uh, which leads me to one of the things that we're going to get to talk about that Storm Before the Calm by George Freeman. Thanks a lot for reading that. Great book. And then I'm about halfway through the monstrosity of the creature at <laughs> Jekyll Island. All right. I mean, come on. I'm a Marine, man. Why do you got to give me a book that's got little letters and that's like 17 inches thick? I gave it to you. You're listening to it, aren't you? Right. right. That's come exactly on, what I did. You know, the listeners, I'm, I'm, I'm cheating. I'm listening to it because the book intimidated me. Like, I'm, there's no way I'm going to get through this, right? But um, – 
But it's just kind of um, crazy how all these things are happening, right? Where where the economy, you know, tr- where are we truly? Where are we going? But when we do have growth coming back, but one of the things that's stunting that growth is we have more capital than there is things to go buy. Yeah, you mean um, with the with the QE, the money they've mm-hmm. unleashed. Yeah. So that's uh, that's interesting because what's happening there. You got the Federal Reserve unleashing, unloading trillions and trillions. And tr- I can't remember the exact statistics, but I think in the last, I think it's seven months, 20% of all the money that's ever been created has happened in the last six months, so, uh, even since our, com- our country's founding. I can't remember the exact number, but it's some crazy number that it's within six months over 250 plus years uh, that that's been the case. So they'll put that out. But they need that money to actually move. So what happens is they, they put it into the system and the commercial banks are the ones that kind of funnel it out. And so what's happening is the banks aren't lenders. Like credit is tight right now. They're not lending. They're, they're all scared. They're all afraid to lend as much and put money out there. So not only that, but people are saving because they're afraid. So the, the Fed is actually getting the opposite of what it wanted in the name of a short-term def- deflation, disinflation or deflation. So that's, that's the beginning. Now, at some, so what's happening at some point what they've done is they've 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 let they've incre- increased that much reserve money avail- available, but it's all sitting there. But it's still there at some point. Now, usually, only going to want to have that much if there are that many goods and services to justify it, like in a normal economy. So what they're doing is they're messing up business cycles. Talking about cycles, right? <laughs> they're messing it up. So for now, we're going to have a, a deflationary shock, I think, and a spiral. I think I'm no, you know, I'm not the alpha and the omega, but from what I, you know, my my own conviction is that. Eventually, the hyperinflation, which everybody's afraid of now, can certainly happen, I think, at some point. And that, that's when things get, get very – they're both you know, bad in their own way. But the hyperinflation at some point, that could be pretty bad with how much they put out there. Absolutely. Especially if they want to bring on things like you know, guaranteed you know, checks from the government, universal basic income, and all these things to put more money in the hands of um, everybody – just there, just to have it there, it's going to raise the price of everything, and away we go. It's going to be—I don't know—it's going to be interesting. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, there's a a uh, Wall Street Journal article that I read that was—I I literally had to look at this thing a couple of times. Have we talked about this or brought it up? Is something I'd never even heard of called blank check IPOs. I can guess what it means because <laughs> yeah. I have an idea, but go ahead. Yeah. So what it is, is there's more capital than there is companies to go buy. Mm-hmm. Right. So. They're chasing yield. Yeah. More, more, there's been more IPOs mm-hmm. that have gone public in 2020 than any other year. And so now what they're doing is they're gathering all this money from some investors to take a company public, but it's like a shell company mm-hmm. where it has no assets, no liabilities. Actually, the only liabilities is maybe a couple of people that are in the search to take that IPO money with the intention of going and buying another company. Mm-hmm. And they've got like two years to go do it or something like that. But I was like, so in other words, you're taking a company public to take the money to raise more money to go buy a company mm-hmm. that you've already said there's no companies to go buy. Or else <laughs> it's also what's happening with the uh, yeah. in private equity, all the light cov- the cov- lights, covenant lights, um, where there's they've reduced the uh, restrictions. And so there's been less and less protection there. And so it's, get, it's creating even more of a bubble. So you're gonna, you have that too. It's just, it's just, 
is yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it is crazy. It is mm-hmm. just crazy. So you've been traveling around a lot. Yep. So what's going on with that? Just seeing different uh, cities, large and small. Yeah. Um, this is for uh, work, personal. Work? Both, both. Actually, yeah. whenever I do something for work, I, I I mix in the personal as well to check it out. Yeah. And so what I'm seeing, literally, literally, it's it's eerie. The ghost town effect of whether it's a city with tall buildings or uh, not even I wouldn't even call it rural America, uh, main main town main street you know main main uh, main street America, um, suburban areas not as much, but when you're out and about and seeing how there's almost nobody around or in stores and things are boarded up everything's for lease a lot of stuff for sale, it's really interesting and when you see it in different parts of the country not just one area but different parts and different sized cities. With my own eyes, I'm seeing it, and it's very interesting. It's just wild. What are a couple of these cities? Kansas City, Missouri, uh, Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, I've noticed uh, whenever I you know work every day downtown here, mm-hmm. um, the uh, it's been pretty empty downtown. Yeah, uh, Dallas, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, San Francisco. Well, you've yeah, been doing empty. some travel. <laughs> I've been to uh, San Fran for about eight months. Yeah, but uh, in New York City, I was there about a year ago before yeah. this went down. Yeah, but. Uh, what I've seen, I have family out there too, and what I've seen out there, uh, how empty it is out there in these other cities, it's yeah. it's it's crazy. Even smaller, uh, moderate-sized cities, it's been wild. Yeah. Yeah. And then I even saw a Wall Street Journal article pop up on New York City is shutting down the schools and, or, 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 or choosing not to reopen. What was the, I mean, if I can look at it, I, I got the alert on here. And I was like, well, here we go again. But it was talking about, um, let's see, where is this article at? Um, uh, oh, this is interesting. AP News just put President Donald Trump has won North Carolina and it's 15 electoral votes. That just came out two hours ago. I mean, interesting. I, that. I've been avoiding the news a lot last, uh, <laughs> I look at it very spottily. <laughs> So New York City's mayor urged parents to prepare for a fully remote learning by Monday. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then right, the article right after that is DoorDash's IPO paperwork showed the food delivery service turned a surprising profit. So, I mean, it's just how weird. Or just, I, mean, that, I think that's the weird part, too, is because you're like, city's shutting down. Another company going IPO. <laughs> I'm going to send you a, a graphic. I should have texted it to you uh, the other day. It's the most incredible quick look picture. I'll give it to you later. Oh, I'm going to put it on the website. Okay, okay, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it what shows it? there has never been such a disconnect between the public markets and the actual economy. And when you see this graphic, it has never been such a wide margin of disparity. It's you have to see the graphic. It's 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 insane. It's never been that level since since they've been keeping both records. Yeah. And in one chart you see it and it's like that's what's going on. So it's just, it, yeah. it's really wild how they're not just one of them is extreme. They're both extreme opposite of each other. Yeah. It's really insane. Man. And, and for the listeners out there, um, go to myexperiencerealtor.com. Click on TJ. You'll see TJ was episode number six, I think. So I'll, I'll, you'll have to just whatever the latest episode is, TJ. And when you click on him, we're also going to attach links to these articles and these headlines and everything else. So that way you'll see that there. this is not us. I mean, we're adding some opinion to this, but there, we didn't just wake up and abracadabra make this stuff up, right? They're, they're, we're, we want this to be somewhat credible. Yeah. And 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 and, and look, you don't want to you don't want to agree with us. That's fine. But look, at least use your brain housing group to start doing some research and looking into these things and make your own opinion. 
And by all means, go on here and comment and show us how we're wrong. Post articles that, that, that maybe dispute what we're it's saying. It's healthy to hear yeah. other perspective. Even if something may be black and white to you data-wise, if yeah. someone else interprets that differently and they've got a different perspective. Yeah. You know, listen, yeah. okay, I didn't yeah. think about that. Well, Or when philanthropy.com posts an article a couple of weeks ago that says they expect one-third of nonprofits close their doors not open up again. Wow. One-third of nonprofits. Big number. That is a big number. With a lot of jobs and a lot of people that that money goes and helps. Yeah. I mean, there's just, that's what I'm saying is I'm not just taking one thing that shapes my opinion on how something looks is it's a collection of multiple data from multiple sources Mm -hmm. that, and I'm not, trust me, I'm looking for things that, because I I realize that when some people form an opinion, they only look for evidence that supports their opinion. I'm looking for it all. Confirmation bias, right. Yeah. I'm looking for Mm -hmm. anything that can prove this wrong. And I just... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not seeing anything, right? It's hard to get out of your own echo chamber because <laughs> it's what you believe and what you. Echo chamber? Are, I'm going to use it. Echo chamber. And, and what you, you know, and you have to, you have to step outside of it. And I'm, I'm guilty of not always doing that the best I should, you know, looking at, at, at more than one side of it. But yeah, you want to do it to see at least what that side is thinking or what they, or how they got there. Yeah. And sometimes every now and then be like, okay, we get a point. You know, I may disagree still, or I may I may click over, which is rare, as we learned in my uh, test today. <laughs> 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 Once I'm set on something, I guess that's kind of there. But um, you know, it is good to have that discourse, though. It, it really is, and you know, and, and here and it, here here's the thing too. Like, look, just go to Wall Street Journal, and I'm just going to pull up right, just pull up a few headlines. We're not even going to dive into them. S and P 500 closes week at record on vaccine optimism. New U.S. cases top 150,000 for the first time. New York City parents should prepare by Monday for public school shutdown. Uh, COVID-19 vaccines could depend on the strength of this vial. Uh, Europe appears to curb COVID-19 spread. How uh, how a COVID uh, vaccine maker's uh, stock went from dud to star, right? And that, that was just on Wall Street Journal. You, know, you go to Associated Press, right? Here's you know another one that's, these are, you know, Trump still not uh, conceding defeat, Trump, uh, Trumpets vaccine progress. Oregon and New Mexico order lockdowns of other, uh, other states resist. Um, uh, tr- Trump wrongfully takes credit for the vaccine. Um, Republicans face court setbacks. Trump law firm steps down. Mass workers start uh, presidential hand tally in Georgia. So, I mean, you, you read these things and then you hear things. And I could go into readers a lot more, but I mean, I don't want to waste the, the audience's time. We're going to post stuff where they can go there and find it. If you can't find it in Wall Street Journal, Associated Press, readers, all these. And we're, we're going to post the links. I mean, you can click on them, right? And you yeah. can go in there and search the headlines. But when you're sitting there hearing Trump's not conceding, Biden is saying, I won the electoral votes. Here's an article that just came out in North, wait a minute, North Carolina, 15 electoral votes going to Trump. Well, that would reduce the, below the 270. Who's the president? Yeah, it's it's going to be, it's <laughs> this absolutely, no doubt. I mean, I speak the obvious. No matter what side of the fence you're on, you have to, I think everybody would have to agree. I would say 99 out of 100 people would have to agree. This is the most wild year ever. You can, you combine the COVID thing. With the election and and now it is it is it's crazy. I mean it's it's a wild time. Yeah. I mean I speak the obvious, but this is crazy. Here we are, November thirteen, and this election. You still don't have a president. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, and it's certainly, what was it, 20 years ago, we went through something similar during the Chad. Yep. The hanging Chad in, down in Florida, where we were waiting to find out, was Gore Bush going to be president? Mm-hmm. But then you, you sit there and you go, man, this is all kinds of crazy. So here's what I do know. We're going to be all right as a country. We're going to move forward. It's going to be bumpy road. There's a lot of things that are going to suck. But people also forget that this this country is about fighting. We're going to get to that book talking about this. Fighting, it. fighting. We're going to talk about fighting. But we fight, right? And we fight for things that we believe in, and we end up surviving. There was an actual civil war in the United States, which I'm pretty sure everybody learned in grade school. The very thing that could tear this country apart, the very fabric of this country. And guess what? It didn't. And we survived. And so 2020 is certainly an odd year. Uh, my good friend, uh, General John Allen, a retired four-star general of the Marine Corps, uh, and uh, I was on the phone with him last week wow. and uh, catching up. And I said, yeah, I said, man, this crazy um, uh, post-pandemic riding, protesting election year trifecta of 2020. And he goes, yeah, don't forget the fires and the hurricanes either. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it's, man, I mean, like, man, just keep kicking us when we're down. Right. Yep. It's and a then, wild year. I'm telling yeah, you everything. It, it is just, it, it's absolutely insane how this, how, how, how this is going on. That was actually, that's Ryan Regal. I mean, he's, he's been in meetings and I was hoping he'd be here so we could record him, but who knows what he's doing, but we're going to go to dinner with him tonight. Right. Um, and, um, and actually I got a good friend that's going to buy us dinner. It's going to go with us too. So he was like, he, he was like, hey, I was like, you got a good expense account. And he goes, yeah. And I was like, hey, I got two prospects for you. I was like, we're going to get steaks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. thanks, James. <laughs> and I had his boss in here recording yesterday. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but, You're definitely not shy. That's for no, sure. No, 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 no. Look, the answer is always no, unless you ask, right? <laughs> right. And I had Kevin Davis, uh, who is in charge of recruiting for the executive MBA program, who is not only... That's what he does for a living, but he's also a very close friend and part of one of the people I consider my closest advisors to when I really have, I need to get a different perspective. Like he and I were talking about the very things you and I were talking about right now, a week ago on the phone and we looked up and it was almost four hours later on the phone, right? I I mean, this is a guy that I trust and I care about. Mm -hmm. And I also, and not just because I trust and care about his perspective, but I also trust that he's going to tell me when I'm wrong because he has no problems doing that, yep. right? Because that's what makes a good friend. You're I've like, got friends you know like what? that. Yep. I'm going to call BS on that one, right? Yep. So um, I sent you a book called The Storm Before the Calm by George Friedman. Yep. And you had a chance to read it. Yep. Got through What'd it. What'd you think? Yep. Very interesting perspective. Um, he's um, back the, the historical and the data and the, and the um, how he brings it up, how he goes through his the cycles and why they happen and so on is very interesting. And then his forecasts are interesting also. Um, I, I myself may have a little bit different take, not that I'm, the, not that I'm, you know, going to say I'm smarter than he is or know better than he is, but some of it, you know, leaves room for opinion, which I have my own. Sure. But, um, and he's, he's got his, but um, I found it interesting that he ended it on a more of an optimistic note saying that uh, America goes through, like you were saying a minute ago, go, mm-hmm. goes through these things and will come out of it better and, and and stronger. So, you know, he's trying to be optimistic. And interestingly, like I was telling you before we uh, started this, um, I guess he had been writing that book for, you know, about five years. 
and had just happened to get it published and launched right at the end of February, if I'm not mistaken, uh, of this year, right when right when COVID was brand new. Mm-hmm. And the timing was interesting, was serendipitous, fortuitous, what do you want to call it? Uh, very, very uh, intriguing that he had it come out at that time because he's talking about those things. And, and for him, it might even be the the, uh, the ending of one cycle start of another. Uh, he talks about the you know, the eighty year coming to a close and the fifty year coming to a close, but for the first time at the same time, mm-hmm. what that's going to lead to. Yep. And uh, we can get into whatever you want, but I, yeah. th- I found that take on it very interesting. Well, and so um, one of the recordings I did um, was yesterday with Michael Sherrod, who is an entrepreneur. Uh, he's built more companies than we'll ever dream of, right? And then now when he was going to retire, TCU was like, hey, will you come be the professor of entrepreneur here at TCU, Neely School of Business? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I'd sent the book to him too. And one of the interesting things he said in his podcast was this. So what TJ is referring to is that George Friedman says that there's two cycles that have occurred in the history of the United States, which is the 50-year socioeconomic cycle. So we're leaving the fifth cycle and entering the sixth cycle. And the last time that happened was from the Carter to the Reagan administration. And that every 80 years, there is an institutional cycle, which is the federal government trying to determine its relationship with the states and what it can and can't do. Mm -hmm. Michael said something really, really interesting um, during his, as he said, you know, with these cycles, because the micro aspects compared to the macro aspects of the federal government down to the local government, there was a difference in pace, right? Yeah. And people were demanding the federal government to come in and do it, but it can't operate fast because it's the federal government. It's a whole, right? But you're dealing with states that are taking different approaches Mm -hmm. to things. Not everybody is necessarily aligned on how they're doing it, that there is going to be more pressure put on the local governments to respond to things rather than depending on the federal government because maybe the federal government is failing the the local consumers right now and that it's going to be more of the local. So maybe that is one of the cycles that we lead towards is like, hey, maybe the power of the federal government, while it's grown in power over a number of years, now maybe it loses a little bit of power because the local governments – uh, you know, the city, county, municipal, and even state governments, because let's face it, you're from California. We don't hold that against you. You weren't born in Texas, but you got here as fast as you could. <laughs> we offered you a visa. Move back. <laughs> uh, and then you've got Texas. No one knows probably better than you in real time because you're kind of still living one foot in each, right? Yep. Is there a difference between what's going on in California and how they're handling things and here in Texas? It's funny you say that because they, California literally, as of yesterday, I think, um, just instituted more shutdowns. San Diego, I think up in San Fran, LA will be next. So they just instituted more shutdowns. So it's funny you ask that question because they, um, they just did it. And here, I don't believe they're doing that, um, to my knowledge. But, you know, again, I don't know. It's hard to keep track. So you never know when's, when's where and what, but, um, I believe they're doing it again out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, And that's the thing is you've got different communities taking different approaches towards things that I could see where Michael's assessment of things are going to move more towards a local demand because that's who really has the power, right? I mean, the the power to really move the needle is the local 
the local leaders, right? I would hope so. so yeah. You, and for, for me, just my own thing. Yeah. Um, if I had, if I had it my way, if I ruled the world, I would let everybody just decide for themselves. Yeah. I wouldn't have let any government get anywhere near anything like that. I wouldn't have let people decide and say, you know, what? it's their, their own personal decision. If there's a danger out there, people are aware that it could be dangerous. Let them decide if they don't, if they want to stay home, they can, if they don't want to go, go out, they, they don't have to, but, but vice versa, if they want to, they should be allowed to. And so I think that that's what it should be. But what I think it will be, I take kind of the opposite approach. I think there'll be more and more government. I think it's going to be more and more mm -hmm. growing. I'm a little bit, I have a little bit different mindset. Of that. I think it's going to be more. Um, Does that worry you with more government? Yeah. Tell us why. The less government, the better. <laughs> How else do you say it? I I'm mean, the government and I'm here to help, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. The less, I mean, I think government is inevitable. So, you know, to be a pure, pure anarchist, I don't think would ever work because it's never going to, and people think anarchy means chaos and destruction. And it doesn't mean that. It just means no government simply. Yeah. But especially with a, an area of the world that's so resourceful, so wealthy, and so um, populous, government is inevitable. You're going to have groups that are going to want to try and control others. That's, what government, that's who they attract. Government attracts people, the types typically, that want to run things and be in control of others. Whereas individuals, the more, you know, individual type, you, some people might call them libertarian with a lowercase l, they want to decide for themselves. Hey, I got, leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. You leave me alone. I yeah. got this. Let me, let me do my thing. So I think there would be more and more, whether it's, you, you, people would say, oh, you know, uh, whether we had this guy in office or that woman in office or this, this color in office red or that color in office blue or whatever. I think both of them, both sides are becoming so much, so similar and so much the same. Luckily we have these balances, these checks and balances. Luckily our, four, our founding fathers are genius for doing that. But the more it goes further, the more we progress in time, I think we're going to have a lot more government, probably have less. In fact, I think there would probably even be a newer, a new, uh, a brand new type of new deal. Whether it had been either guy who got an office in this election, uh, a new deal coming type thing that'll come again. I think it's going to be a lot more government um, programs, intervention. They've tried the monetary. Now they're going to try to, to push the fiscal. Um, also, you know, public works projects. Um, and really a lot more government involvement versus them being less involved. I think it's going to be a lot more. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. 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 Because even the New Deal wasn't reversed even a little bit until after, um, I think it was a few years after World War II, they, 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 they rolled back a little bit of it, but a lot of it still existed. Then you had the Great Society from Johnson. But now going forward, I think no matter who's in charge, the way to get more power and, and to have more control of what they want to do, they're going to put more government in place to do that. I think we're going to lose a lot more individuality, I think. So how does that shape current political parties or does it mean a rise of a new political party? So good, that's a great question. So the other parties never quite, they kind of get suffocated out, don't they? From mm -hmm. It's either Republican or Democrat, which large, largely are becoming more and more the same, aren't they? There's a couple things that'll separate them. But, and it's interesting because back in, back in history, they were actually flipped in name now they're flipped out the other way around, but they're becoming the same, pretty much the same thing. And so the other third independent parties, let's call them the, the, the other four or five, um, they, they're, they're there for a reason, but they keep getting snuffed out. They don't have the momentum, the power, the, um, the, or the original existence that the other two do, and they get pushed out. You know, and, and, and I'm just going to throw this out just because I'm trying to be funny. Sounds almost like a 
proletariat bourgeoisie situation a little bit, right? <laughs> there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of parallels and similarities to some of these cycles yeah. that we've seen in the past. And and the author uh, Friedman, he's got his own opinion, but to me, back on that, um, I think he thinks that cycles are kind of like um, natural, I and mean, they just always kind of happen, and they're always kind of kind of kind of go that way. Maybe, yeah, but. I, I think that they can also not go that way. I don't, I don't think necessarily just because something's happened three times every 80 years or every 50 years or they're going to converge this time. There's no guarantee, obviously. I don't know either that this is going to happen again and we'll cycle over here. You may not. It may be something totally different. So I think readers should be prepared for that too. There could be something totally different. Oh, it's going to be this by 2030 again because we've already gone through this. No, not necessarily. Just like when you do investments. Yeah. You know, past performance does not guarantee Future, uh, future results, yeah, that kind future, of thing. Re- yeah, future Same returns. Thing. Yeah, I could be wrong too. I don't. Nobody, yeah. none of us are, are are psychic. If we were, we would be wealthy beyond year. Yeah, I right. Mean, it's, I mean, it, oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's human nature to explain mysteries. Yeah, and to forecast the future. It's just yeah. human nature. We we want to know. Yeah. Right. Sorry, guys. Let's. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I was starting to hear it bleed in here too. Yeah, I can hear it in the report. Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're good. You're we good. Were. I was wondering about how long we were going to go before we uh, had to go. <laughs> uh, it seems like some, some of Aaron's friends found her. Ah, gotcha. All right. Good ears. Good. All right. And. Yeah, so I think it's going to be, uh, we're talking about how the two parties kind of snuff out the other parties that might emerge. Yeah, assuming we have to have any parties, but um, in a way, I guess you kind of do to get up to the uh, to that level. But they've just been trying, you know. Yeah. And, see, how, I mean, the, the two parties again are—they're just too monopolistic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or duopolistic, I should say. So, will you see some states go from blue to red, and some red to blue based on migration? You know, it's interesting. So, if you see the latest map, electoral map. Mm-hmm. And you see the blue and the red. First of all, it's a, the maps are always a little bit misleading because it looks like a sea of red or a sea of blue. Mm-hmm. So one state may be blue, but when you go by the actual you know county level and you go by actual population density, there's actually a lot of white space throughout the country, which means which means nobody's there. So you have these large, obviously, these large urban dense areas that are predominantly blue. And then the rest of the country would be more so, if you want to call it red. Yeah. If you look, it's very interesting. Where the blue, they're connected. So you have the left side of the country, California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, and now Arizona and New Mexico. They're all connected. So the migration is people are moving from largely California to those areas over the years. And it's, it's, it's um, you can't just say it's only that. But there's a connection there, and they've caused those areas to go more largely blue. The red tends to be uh, linked as well. If you look on the map, they tend to be linked together where that type of voter person tends to be in that area, and they tend to migrate to those areas too, back and forth. And if you look at up in the Chicago area or Illinois area, Midwest, I should say, they're linked also. They linked Michigan, Wisconsin, um, Minnesota. Uh, and stemming from Illinois, Chicago, kind of, kind of, kind of, go, kind of spreads out 
that type of um, person voter just kind of migrates near where they happen to be. So those areas change. California, geographically, those states are near it. So they kind of, when the people move for lots, lots of reasons, you know, it tends to change them um, because they, they are that kind of person, but it's, it's altering the, the map somewhat. East Coast has been the areas that are blue, they're all linked together also. And you have New York, you know, a large hotspot of, of a lot of, uh, you know, uh, blue population, especially New York City, really, upstate, not so much. But they all tend to be linked together because they're migrating. But the, where are you going to migrate to? Where it's pretty much where it's most convenient, usually, at the closer you are. Just like human migration has gone since the since we began on other continents, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's very interesting to see that. Very interesting to see that. So what else, going back to the book, what else did you think about the book? Just, I like how he wants to explain, or he tries to forecast what, what's, what may happen. And he's being optimistic, which is fantastic, because you want to have an, a positive outlook. I get that. Reality may work with that, it may not. But I think to say that this next decade is going to be uh, tumultuous, um, who knows, but it definitely won't be easy, at least here going forward for well, the whole decade. Who knows? He, he goes so far as to say, make predictions for 2024 and 2028, mm-hmm. especially in, in particular, like Nostradamus in particular, the year 2024, you know? So that's interesting. So who knows? And, and things change so much nowadays, uh, especially with the information we have, technology we have to spread it. Um, I don't know. And it, it, I think the difference now, though, from those other cycles, if you look at the past history, the end of the 80 years, uh, the Civil War, World War II, and now, 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 yes, we've fought and gotten over things. And when Americans are hardy and we, you know, we're resilient, we, we have this certain sp- fighting spirit, we want to win, still the greatest country in the world. Um, we just want to keep it that way. But I think enough of a population shift nowadays towards more of a statist wanting to have more of a statist um, uh, approach to things. It's interesting. I think it's going more and more that way. Whereas before, I don't think it did. I think the individualism from before is what made this country so wonderful because post-Civil War, individuals knew they could get out there and there's an opportunity they could rebuild. There was certainly government, you know, uh, involvement, but still people were free to do what they had, what they wanted to do for the, by and large, World War II, especially post-war boom, free, free economy, Oh my gosh, like one of the best times ever and to be in this country, but also to be a, a, an entrepreneur, a business owner in this country. Awesome. I mean, just a great time. Granted, we were, you know, king of the world after that, but still, as far as economic and, and business freedom goes, free markets, free markets. And so going forward, though, I think there's more of a movement to more people wanting or believing in um, more government control, dare I say, uh, more collectivist ideals than before, I think. And if that keeps going, then, you know, the gradualism of, of losing more and more of our freedoms could be interesting as far as what's going to happen in the end. And the author may have a, in my mind, I hope he's correct that it's going to be back to how it was. But if we have the difference I see now, though, is a different culture and different mindset. People more and more favor the collectivist mindset on the whole and statism than they did before, I think. Why do you, why do you think that is? I think, honestly, I think it's been been bred from the educational system from the bottom up. I believe the educational system has been that way, especially um, higher learning, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, the institutions or the um, um, uh, colleges and universities yeah. um, for, for decades. For decades, it's been pounding and pounding and pounding those things. 
into the minds of you know, when we're young. That's what that's what our first impression is, right? Yeah. So I think it's been enough decades of that that have been having people think, accept it, but also now um, condone it. They want to see it more and more. I think the technocrats. Yeah. Well, they want they want to. Some people want they want to you know demonize capitalism. Yeah. No system is perfect. Let's face it. But they want to demonize right. capitalism, and I think what they really mean is, and I don't want to think for what people are trying to think, but I think what they think, they're they're demonizing the bad aspects of it. Whereas if we had truly free markets, as opposed to just capitalism, so let's say free market being a subset of capitalism, things would be a lot better in my mind. If, if there was no intervention, no manipulation, no artificiality of anything, um, I think people would be a lot happier. There'd be more prosperity. But because there's been so much involvement government wise um you know and federal reserve wise that the wealth gap they've created which they by factual mathematics the wealth gap is just what's making people extremely unhappy they're really upset you're seeing it manifest in different ways like with you know what's going on around the country sometimes with these protests and and, and riots and stuff but um it's largely the wealth gap that people are, are it's making people really upset i think let's talk about the wealth gap what is that exactly? The difference between <laughs> me and everybody else. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish I was there. No, it's the difference between uh, the concentration of wealth and who holds it. The smaller and smaller percentage holds a larger and larger percentage of the wealth. And you see that in other countries around the world. It's happened time and time again. And it's happening here. And so um, with these policies they've been doing lately, especially, it's been making that worse and worse and worse. And you're getting the middle class getting squished out, myself included. I'm a middle class individual. Um, and it's just, people are upset about it. And I think that's what's fomenting a lot of these things that are going on. So it's getting more and more concentrated, um, smaller percentage holding more of the wealth. So is the answer wealth distribution? Mm -mm. The answer is government, stay away <laughs> and free markets, let things yeah. be. They will, they will naturally, you know, you got to have some law and order to a degree. I understand that. But you need to let things be. They, they get in there and look at the, the Federal Reserve has tried to do with um, stoking the economy and inflation, what they want. All they've done is just they've just created more and more wealth for the top, top percent. That's it. And then, in fact, not only that, but they haven't done what they wanted to do. So it's, it's kind of a twofold effect. And so I would say they have to stay out of it. Them and they, they got to stay out of it. And so does the government. Stay away. Just let us be. <laughs> so speaking of the Federal Reserve, it's the other book I want to talk about that I'm only halfway through, but I've been actually very <laughs> fascinated by it, The Creature at Jekyll Island. So give us a kind of a recap of what the book talks about. The Creature from Jekyll Island is an interesting book. Um, what it is, it's G. Uh, G. Edward Griffin, I believe, is the author. Mm -hmm. He was the first guy for me in that book that laid out how the Fed actually creates money out of thin air, like literally, even before uh, digital. Um, so he um, talks about how they were created in the uh, Federal Reserve Act of 1913 at a little island off the coast of Georgia called Jekyll Island by a, um, I would call it a cartel of bankers, private bankers. And nobody knows or when they started it, it was not anything federal or anything government or public about it. It was totally private. And to this day, the shareholders of the Federal Reserve include some of the large banks, including 
J.P. Morgan, which some of the descendants of James Pierpont Morgan, one of the guys who started it. So these large banks have, not only do they benefit from the policies of the reserve and the movements they make, but their shareholders as well. And so Edward Griffin brings up how this started and what it's done to our dollar. Something like 97, 98% of our dollar has been eroded in value since its creation. Or since the, uh, since the uh, Federal Reserve Act, Federal Reserve was created. The, the purchasing power has been eroded to nothing. Um, and so he lays out how they do it, how they create money out of thin air, how they uh, create money, destroy money, and uh, what they do to in- try to influence the economy. So where does that take us? <laughs> it takes us to where we are. Yeah. We're in a spot now where we have this insane amount of broad, broad base, mo- or base money, uh, money supply, M2. It's sitting there not really been deployed yet because the banks aren't, aren't really putting it out there yet because uh, it's still, still reserve in the reserve, but it's there is yeah. the problem. And it's enriched those close enough to it by, by way of the Cantillon effect. And we talked about that where those closest to it benefit from it. So it increases that wealth gap even more and more and more. Yeah. And then later on when it gets unleashed, when they finally do let that out there, it's going to cause that, in my opinion, the inflation, if not hyperinflation, uh, at some point. So that's where it puts us. So they, that's where they, that's what I think. And the book also talks about just dismantling the yeah. Federal yeah. Reserve. Ron Paul, yeah, for years, tried doing that, tried getting people to listen. Um, if only more people knew what it really was, what really was happening. If they knew the real problem behind a lot of the, our social ills, they know where to direct their energies better. I think. Than what's been going on. See, that's a good question is if people knew, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, a lot of times for guys like us is it's not so much the answers, but asking the right questions is do people really want to know? Good, good point. Ignorance being bliss. Mm-hmm. I, I just had this uh, talk with somebody recently. Um, I know. Uh, do you want to know? I do, even though it may not be pleasant. I, I want to know. I'm one of those types I have to know, but I think people, Maybe not one. They want to just, you know, kind of like with their investments, they just better just, you know, plunk down whatever they can in an S&P 500 index fund, set it and forget it and not, th- not worry about it. Well, you can't always, you shouldn't really do that. You should be thinking about it. You should be, you know, being aware of it and, you know, being cognizant of what may or may not happen. But I wonder what would happen if you tried to educate most people about it, if they'd be interested. And they don't want you to know, first of all. Yeah. And they make it confusing enough. That you, it's hard. And I've, just, I've been reading about it and studying it for, for a while. And even for me, sometimes I'm like, oh, I didn't know that part of it. Yeah. Very, very confusing and technical. And they don't want you to know. But I wonder if people ha- had the ability to know if they'd want to. It's a great question. I yeah. think more would, but maybe enough wouldn't. I don't know. It's hard to say. See, I, and, and that's, a, that's a question that I'm curious about. And I would love to see the audience feedback on comments on, on here is – where do people sit in that? Because guess what? To educate yourself across this stuff takes time, takes energy, takes commitment to try to learn more yeah. and more and more. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think back to I was six weeks from graduating in college. I was, uh, matter of fact, I had the same conversation with uh, uh, Michael Sherrod. And, and I said I was six weeks from graduating. There was this uh, documentary called The Corporation. And it was a kind of a... You could waive one of your quiz grades if you watch this for one of my classes. And and, and as we were watching it, it was interesting because I was like, 
anybody could watch this and understand the premise of the documentary, but unless you had a formal education, you didn't understand. You, it would be really, really hard to understand a lot of things that were going on in this documentary, right? Which means getting a formal education takes time. But I'm not saying you have to go to college to get a formal education, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got libraries, you've got the internet. You, you can you can get sources, right, to start getting educated. It actually, be better, this. right? And and so, I I I just wonder with the day and age that we're in now, it's instant gratification, and how can my life be easier? And if I get my instant gratification and my life is easier, do I really want to take, decide, and kind of like Neo in the metrics, do you want to take the red pill or the blue pill? Because Red pill all day, baby. Yeah. Get in there and go down the information highway to go, wait a minute, this is, this is really what everything is? Or do I stick with the blue pill to go, you know what, I really don't, I really don't want to know because my life is convenient, right? Yeah. And I, and I, and mm-hmm. I, a lot of comfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wonder if there's enough people out there that would be okay with the disruption of learning along the way of like, wait a minute. So everything everybody is telling me is not necessarily true. And I'm not painting this to be like a conspiracy theory, anything else. Just saying, hey, look, if you get up and you spend an hour of your morning just reading headlines. You don't even have to dive into the articles. Just spend an hour going through headlines and seeing what they're saying. Like, I mean, we we spent a, a, a total of, what, two minutes just reading off the headlines, right? Going, whoa, hey, wait a minute. That's interesting. That Not enough people do that. So they, they choose whatever comfort they're in, right, of whatever that media outlet is or social media outlet that – aligns with their political beliefs that just tells them what they want to hear, do they really want to break out of that lane? And I think that's really my, my, my larger question to audience and listeners out there is how many, how many want to really go through and do this? Yeah. And there's no excuse anymore because the internet makes things really easy. You have yeah. to filter out because there's a lot of misinformation out there, a lot of propaganda yeah. out there, a lot of censorship, which is even worse out there. Yeah. Um, that's a problem. But when you're able to take as we talked about earlier, different pieces of the jigsaw puzzle and put things together for yourself rather than just what this guy says. Like, you know, my sources are wonderful, but I still make my own opinion in the end. I may agree with them most of the time, but you know what? I'm still going to have my own mind. For example, the book that we're talking about, hey, I'm not saying the guy's wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm saying my outlook's a little different. That's all. Yeah. But because, again, of what I've learned myself and seen, what I put together. So I, I think... We're here, this wonderful country, but I think we've had enough time where we've been pretty fruitful for a long time and loosey-goosey and easy money for a long time and a lot of growth and easy stuff. It's been pretty easy for a long time, and I think a lot of people have forgotten where that kind of came from. So we've grown a little bit you know, lazy um, physically, of course, but also mentally. And so, and nowadays there's no excuse. There's so many things to look at on the internet. There's so many things to, I mean, it, it would be a lot of work to go to the local library and check books out and read, which is what people used to do. I think they did that, ironically, they probably did that more then on books than they do now when we have the internet, I would think. I don't know for sure, but, but there's so many sources. I mean, I could look at, there's not enough time in the day. There's days when I literally, I'll have an hour of free time. Let's say I'm doing my dishes after my dinner. 
Mm-hmm. And I listen, I listen to something all the time and I'm debating, okay, I want to hear that, but this looks cool too. Yeah, but I want to hear this. <laughs> and, and if I could do them all at once and put multiple sources on at once, I would do it. But there's so much good stuff out there to, to listen to. And I will look at other sides of it. In fact, some of the uh, people I listen to, they will have the, uh, the contrarian viewpoint on their, let's say, podcast sometimes. And it's good to hear what they have to say. You got to give these yeah. people credit for showing up on a show that they're, you know, totally opposite with yeah. of. And so they put them on there. And it's interesting to hear, to hear their take. And then you know why they think. You may not agree with them, but you know why they think what they think. Yeah. All right. So it's interesting. So um, Michael Cherid had some really interesting statistics that he threw uh, out. And I'm trying to remember, and I guess I didn't write this one down. But he said that there's still like 36% of people that don't have access to the internet. And he goes, actually, the li- public libraries. Where? Which 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 country? Uh, here. He said that? Yeah. 36%. And, uh, 36%, which is really interesting. I, mean, I, I haven't fact-checked any of this. Yeah. I'm just going off of what That's I— That's a big number. I don't know. And, uh, and he said, actually, the public libraries now do even more than just providing internet and access and books— that there's even access to healthcare and a number of other things that I didn't realize libraries were doing. So I've got it in here to follow up, you know, because I trust Michael as a source, but I also like to go fact check things. It's a big number. Yeah, it is a big number. He said that um, uh, right now uh, more than 50% of workers are independent contractors and uh, 1099s. Um, He said, um, oh, here is one that he, he rattled off that I thought was really interesting. He said 64% of employees hate their jobs and 76% would forego a raise if their boss would get fired. Wow. Right? And I'm sitting there thinking, whoa, those are some, yeah, we gotta, those are some interesting numbers. Find out where we're getting these things from. That's yeah. interesting. And I, I just found that this is – Really interesting where he said, you know, the cycle of a business, if I remember correctly, is I can't remember. Actually, I've got it written here, but my handwriting is so poor that I can't <laughs> read what I wrote. Pen, penmanship's drop penmanship drops the more we read things. Oh man, no, look, my penmanship I'm the same way. my penmanship has sucked for almost five decades. So yeah. I mean yeah. yeah. The more yeah. I type, the less I can write. Yeah. All right. And uh but it's just it's just interesting where where we are, where we're going. Um I do re- regardless of if Friedman is right or wrong, if um you know, the creature at Jekyll Island is accurate or inaccurate or right or wrong or any of these other things. But one thing I I do think is I think the next couple of years are going to be very turbulent. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that based on the behaviors of what we're seeing is buying behaviors are changing Mm -hmm. left and right. Right. Turbulent. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Turbulent, you're saying socially, economically, politically, everything? Uh, Everything. Across the board. Across the board is Uh going to be very turbulent. Um, I I think when you look is that there's just this tension you feel everywhere you go, right? Um, Is, you, you know, if someone's on the left side, 
they hate the right side. If someone's on the right side, they hate the left side. And if someone doesn't have an opinion, both are forcing to pick <laughs> one. And if you pick wrong, you're hated because of that. And you're hated if you don't pick one and, and all of this. And it's just this, just this tension that has been built up. And I think one of the reasons that this tension has built up is we actually, as human beings, have a lot more in common than we have as differences. And, but for some reason, we're so hyper-focused on the differences instead of focusing on the things we actually have in common, right? Is, I mean, does that make sense? The differences have always uh, threatened people. Yeah. Things that are different because... I think maybe somewhat of a human, maybe, maybe go back to tribal days and we were all, you know, in, in tribes and, and, um, you know, just evolution where if something was different, it might be a threat because you need that conformity to survive. And maybe it's hardwired into our heads somehow where, and that is where there's, you know, strife. And I think it even gets to even this modern day in 2020 when politically, um, somebody may not like you simply because you think this about something politically, which has nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect their life one bit, but the fact you think it, yeah, they don't like it because it's a difference, and differences tend to make people uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, by nature. Yeah, just like change, yeah. change makes people uncomfortable by nature on the whole. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, so it's a, I think it's a natural. I'm not I'm not um, condoning it, but I think if you had to explain it, or I'm not excusing it, but if you had to explain it, I would say that's the reason people are afraid of difference. Period. Man. Yeah. So what else you got on your mind? You got anything else on your mind before we wrap this bad boy up? Well, uh, just say that um, we're still doing our um, our thing with the uh, company. We've had we've had quite the update though. Okay, let's hear it. Yeah, what's, what's going on with Monarch Green? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Monarch Green in the, in the uh, Waterhog products. Okay, uh, for a number of years we've had suitors, and um, they've always been interested in the products, the company, and what it's doing, and especially our IP, intellectual property. Okay, which has worldwide patent protection, by the way. Nice. And so uh, recently, um, not that the Chinese care. Yeah, <laughs> they do what, they want, right? <laughs> what do you do? What do you do with that? Yeah. So um, uh, taking a different uh, different direction to where um, it's actually uh, on that note, um, going to be going off where the uh, company, the IP, a group that's been interested for a while is going to be uh, running with it. And so uh, mm-hmm. comes, it comes at kind of an interesting time because uh, my partners, you know who they are, mm-hmm. uh, and I are uh, at a spot where we're like, oh, that's interesting. This could be a, a good thing for that to go that way and us to go, you know, this way and um, kind of doing that. So it's a bit of a, it's a transition. And um, so that's what's happening at the moment. It's just been, uh, it's, again, the whole year has been interesting. I mean, yeah. a year ago right now, from the macro perspective, what we talked about and the micro, even down to you know, my own thing and my own business and so on, um, never would have expected any of the above. And so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going on that route now and, and um, we've got, uh, I'll be doing, I'll be going this way and do my own, my own thing uh, going forward. And that, that'll be that way. And hopefully that goes and does its own thing, but it'll be uh wild to watch that go too. It's going to be very interesting. So, um, but you know, it's still going to be out there and for things for people to use and all the above, but just a little, little update, little, little bomb a little, drop. for A little, little bomb drop. Yeah. Is it going to put more money in your pocket? I can sell you a house. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll invite you over to that, uh, cra- that crazy place we checked out. Right. <laughs> Actually, I think we're going live with that one next week. Oh, so, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's we got funny. a big old cool house that's going to 
come on the market. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that was really cool to see. That. Yeah, that was an interesting one. But yeah. you're right, is man, it's a good thing that that door Perfect opened for up because we would have been we would have been kind of stuck down there if that door would have closed behind us and we had no way out. And uh, although I think it did have a radio <laughs> down there, I just don't know if it was hooked up with power or not. Just it, in case you, it stuck, was. Right? Uh, I kept thinking because it was we had to kind of bust it open and yeah the the um and I'm thinking if this thing closes and doesn't open, the, yeah, there's some food down here. I hope uh, MREs and and so on, but uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. after a while they'll see your truck out there, but <laughs> <laughs> no one know where I am. They don't know I'm with you. Yeah, I don't know. Laura might have just been like, all right, well, whatever. <laughs> well. TJ, thank you for coming, as usual. Now, being that we've already done uh, what would you tell 22-year-old self, is there a second thing you would tell <laughs> 22-year-old self if you went could other, go back in time? The what other thing I would have told myself uh, at that age is, is um, before I had said, I wish that, uh, it's kind of on the same lines, I wish that merit was the true arbiter of every, every all the outcomes, right, in life. Yeah. And in this case, I would, I would kind of add to that and say, I wish I had known back then that you don't have quite as much control over things as you'd like. Yeah. And if I had known that then, I might not have been as naive going into things. I mean, that's how you become not, that's how you become savvy, right? Yeah. By, by, by living. But I always thought you had a lot more control over things than you do. And that's been frustrating uh, at times. But, you know, that's with, 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 uh, with age comes wisdom. And that's what I would tell myself. Also, I'd say, look, just another thing. Check this out. So that'd be yeah. <laughs> Sound advice from a true seasoned yeah. don't professional. Don't give up. Just don't be. Just understand that. Just know you can't control everything, and then go, you know proceed accordingly. That's all. Well, for the audience out there, for remember, you can go to myexperiencedrealtor.com, click on podcasts, click on episode two for. TJ, and you will see that we're going to have the links to the articles that we did talk about and links to the places we do go to source information. If I, I can't remember if you can comment or not on the actual podcast downloads, but I do know on our YouTube channel, there's a, there's a comment section. So go on here. Tell us what you think. Uh, you know, do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you have your own articles that you'd like for us to read and see and be able to explore we're not just looking for things that support the way we think. We actually want to see things that can dispute it. And then when we see it, we may or may not agree with it. It doesn't really matter. The good thing about this country is you get to have an opinion. And because of men and women willing to do violence on your behalf to protect that right. is a pretty cool thing. Absolutely. There's a lot of countries out there that don't have that right yep. now. And that is a real, real thing out we need there. We to remember that and understand that. A absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, um, and not to mention... If you're going to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, we got a quick little button you can click there, and we will make sure that you get set up with a good professional wherever you're at. Because you don't want someone that's not going to represent your interest that says they're going to represent your interest when we can do the vetting for you to allow you to do that. So thanks again for coming on, TJ. Thank and you. you know you're coming back again because <laughs> we have interesting things to talk about. Thank you, Actually, Spencer. the next one we'll have to do, we'll have to get a couple of us yeah. and then really let it get rowdy in here. <laughs> Might have to have some beer in here, too. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks okay. again, brother. Okay. Thank yeah. You.